Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decoder Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Now, you may not have heard of my next guest, but you will likely know something that he's created. Mm-hmm. You see, every time you go to the airport and use a kiosk, it's because of Jeff Hoffman. And every time you book your vacation on booking.com, it's because of Jeff Hoffman. And every time you use Priceline.com to get an amazing deal on your travel, it's, well, because of Jeff Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman is an award-winning global entrepreneur, proven CEO, worldwide motivational speaker, best-selling author, Hollywood film producer, a producer of a Grammy award-winning jazz album and executive producer of an Emmy award-winning television show. He's got more credentials Mm -hmm. than anyone I know. And what I love most about him isn't that he has his hand in so many diverse industries, including music and film, or that he helps nonprofits. He's an incredible human with a fantastic sense of humor. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. So Usually how we start off is I'll ask my guests if they've ever experienced burnout. And I know that you have been involved in a lot of different projects in your life. Is burnout something that you've ever experienced? Yeah, so absolutely. And I actually want to take it up a level higher first. Okay. I recently posted something on my social media in response to all these whatever, motivational speakers, whatever they call themselves, influencers, that are telling people, one of the big ones posted something recently where he said, if you're not up at 4.30 a.m. every single day and working till like exhaustion at at 10 at night, you're not trying hard enough. And so I spoke out against that because they're sending this message that the grind, that you should be working round the clock every day or else you just don't care. And it is not only ridiculous advice, but it's damaging advice, right? So everybody experiences burnout. I've been through it more than once. It's not okay. You are no longer doing productive work, right? So this concept of grind all day till you can't anymore means that 80% of the work you did that day was subpar because you were burned out and not at your best. So burnout's real. I've been through it. And I think it's worse because of these influencers that are telling people they got to grind all day and just fight through the burnout instead of actually being mentally and physically healthy and doing better work. Uh, That's why I'm here, because I love that this is your topic. Cool. I love it. And I'm so glad that you also are speaking out against it, because 
it's coming from somebody who's achieved some amazing things in your life. And so you can speak from experience and say, this is not okay. This is not how we do it. But I am curious, what led you to burnout specifically? Was it that you were at that time doing what they're saying to do, working? I was absolutely. Hours? And that was even without that messaging. I was just doing that because that's what I thought I needed to do. I was okay. taking too much on myself. And, you know, now when I speak and even in the one book I've written called Scale, here's what I hear all the time, Sharon. People come to me and they say, Jeff, I'm working longer hours and harder than I ever have in my life. And yet I'm not getting there. I'm not getting anywhere. That's exactly because of that. So what I thought was for me to be successful and to really grow my startup, my small business, I need to work longer and I need to work harder, right? And that's what I saw everybody around me doing. So I was in that grind, right? And just get up earlier and work later, um, not realizing that working two things, that working smarter was the solution, not longer and harder. And second, not realizing that I was never gonna get there by myself anyway, so I should start building a team and handing things off to people. Until you can delegate and trust other people, you're never going to grow. But I didn't know that. So I was in the grind like everybody else. And it was, believe me, if you saw pictures of me from back then, I was not only getting mentally unhealthy, but I was physically unhealthy. And I was just saying, well, you just got to fight through the burnout, tough it out. That was a stupid idea, but no one told me otherwise. Yeah, I believe it. And yet you've achieved some amazing things in your lifetime. Would you say part of it is because of all this crazy work that you put in? Or do you think that it was once you got to a point where you were working smarter that you actually started to see more of the success? No, it's definitely the latter, but it's not just that. It's both the things I mentioned. It's when I started building a team and not trying to do it myself. I was trying to do everything myself or too much myself. So yes, it's when I started focusing on Today, I would tell people that entrepreneurs or small business owners, it's a badge of honor. I'm an entrepreneur. I work eight days a week. I'm always working, always busy, right? That's like a badge of honor for an entrepreneur. And I learned the hard way. It's a badge of inefficiency. So what I started challenging myself and my team to do is not work at 4.30 a.m. like these influencers say. What I said was, let's figure out how to get done. This is the working smarter part. In two days, what it takes everybody else the whole week to do. And we'll still work the week, but we'll just work a normal average week and we'll crush the competition because we get done in two days what it takes them the whole week to do because we're focused on how to do this smarter and more efficiently instead of just accepting that it's just going to take getting up at 4.30 every day. What I finally did was stop and say, maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a technique, automation, outsourcing, a person better at this than me. There's some way to do this in two days so I don't have to work all these hours. When I intentionally started asking that question, that's when I started getting more efficient. So I did not succeed when I was grinding like that. I didn't succeed until, again, I built a team around me and I started focusing on how to do the same amount of work with way less effort by just being smarter. I love that question. It's kind of like the type of question we would ask in a coaching session, right? Because we're challenging the person to think about something that they don't even consider to be possible. If right. you are in that frame of mind that you think like the more I put in, the more I'm going to get out, then you're not even thinking about how to do less or how to put in less time to your business. So this is really great. Now you're 
kind of like a man on a mission. And what I appreciate about you is you're kind of going around in the world and looking for problems to solve. And it's not even things that you necessarily have experience. I would love it if you could share your airport story about how the airport kiosk came about. The fact that I see so many entrepreneurs now, now everybody pitches me stuff all the time, right? They were at the event you and I met at, people followed me out of the room to pitch me stuff. Mm. So what I see so frequently is people that invent something they think is cool. And I say, interesting, who wants one of those? And they say, well, we'll find out when we start selling them. That's one way. Or the other way is every day when you're out in the world, there's problems everywhere. And what I started to notice about the most successful entrepreneurs is they just picked the problem that already existed that everybody was complaining about. And while everybody else complained about it and went home, they said, I'm just going to fix this one. So instead of next time you hear yourself complaining about a problem, fixing that actual problem, instead of just inventing something you hope people will like is the key to success. So for me, I went back then you had to check in with a person to get your boarding pass. You had to stand in line to speak to the agent at the counter. And it was a Friday afternoon and the line was so long that it took over an hour and I missed the flight because I was in line for nearly an hour and a half just to check in and get my boarding pass because you can't go through security without your boarding pass. And I was very, very upset. And everybody was complaining, how is this taking so long? And the line's an hour long and everybody was upset. And it was in that process that I stood there and said, there has to be a better way to check into a flight. And literally talking to people in the airport, have you ever missed a flight before? How often does this happen? What do you think of these lines? Everybody was upset. So I was like, I'll just solve this problem that everybody in every airport is experiencing right now on a busy Friday afternoon. So that's when I went home and said, I'm going to find a way for people to check themselves in way faster than standing in an hour long line. And that's where those check-in kiosks came from. So solving a problem that you hear yourself complaining about, assuming it's a problem lots of other people have, is what some of my favorite entrepreneurs have all done. And it's such a great reminder for the rest of us to find something that is definitely going to move the needle for a lot of people and something that is purposeful, gives us real purpose in our day-to-day work. You've shared the stage with a lot of influential figures and you've been a mentor to many. What's the most rewarding aspect of mentoring for you? It is the ripple effect. When you help somebody become successful or achieve their goals. I'll give you an example. There were these entrepreneurs. I was in the country of Jordan and I met this young entrepreneur that had an idea. Actually, it's kind of a funny story because I had just finished speaking at this big luncheon. So everybody ate, but me, when I got off stage, I went and said, is there any food left? And I saw this one kid that had some food on his plate. And I went over and I said, is there any food left anywhere? And he's like, oh my God, you were the speaker. And I said, yes. And I said, but I didn't get to eat because I was on stage. And he said, I want to pitch you something. And I said, and I want to eat. And I said, let's solve each other's problem. I said, give me some of your chicken and I will answer your question. This is how I met this young man. And so this young man had an idea. I won't waste your time with the details. He had a business idea. And he said, will you mentor me? And just to see his response, I said, I'm super busy. Why would I mentor you? 
And what I wanted to hear was, because if I was successful, I would help lots of other young people like me here where I live. And that is what he said. And so I helped him with his company. His company was very successful across the whole Gulf region, just Jordan. And he built it up and he sold it. And he called me a year later and I said, what are you doing now? And he said, I'm giving startup money to all the young people in the region like me that just need someone to give them a chance, hmm. right? Someone to fund their idea. So that's what, when I mentor somebody and they pay it forward, that ripple effect is the main benefit you get out of doing that. He has helped probably 45 entrepreneurs have been able to start companies because he used the money he made selling his company and gave it to them so that they had a chance at starting their own business. I just think that's really cool. That's just one story, but there's a lot of those. I bet if you made kind of like a family tree of all the people that you've mentored and all the people that they've then helped, the ripple effect of that is yeah, just I, like astronomical. You know, in our nonprofit, the Global Entrepreneurship Network, where we teach entrepreneurship, we teach in 200 countries. So I have no idea what the real ripple effect of our work is. If, if you, like you said, if you could make a tree of all that, I believe we've been able to have a lot of impact, which is all we're really trying to do is teach people how to help themselves. And then once they do that, ask them and hope that they will go teach someone else. And speaking of making a difference, you've been involved in giving back, especially with the initiative to make a difference in the life of a child. Can you tell us more about the World Youth Horizons Project and how others sure. can get involved? Sure. So the whole idea of that, it occurred to me one day traveling in Africa that whatever, not fault, but I can't think of the other word, through no fault of my own, I was born in the United States and I was born a white male, right? right. I had nothing to do with that, but it put me in a completely different situation than the first time that I was working with this young girl in Africa. She was born in a village in Africa and a young black girl with, neither of us chose where we were born, but her situation was way tougher than mine. And so I was thinking about that one day that there are a lot of people born into situations where the path out is difficult and they need help to get there. And so what we started World Youth Horizons to do was to say that there are a lot of children in situations all over the world, including the U.S., that don't have a fair shot at a better life. They've never seen any options. They don't have resources. No one's telling them how to get there. And so we started World Youth Horizons with the simple mission, let's give children who don't have a shot at a better life a shot at a better life. And the prime sort of theme that runs through the middle of that is education. So our job is to educate and create educational opportunities for kids. So quick examples, and if people are interested, it's worldyouthhorizons.com. Just a side note, but when people donate, every single dollar donated goes directly to children. We pay all the expenses ourselves, all the people that work here are volunteers. And unlike many other places, this is why we created our own, where you might donate money you can go visit the children that the money went to. You can video call them if you'd like. So a lot of people, including myself, you make donations to something, you don't know where the money really went. And so we created this with this 100% pass-through, and we will connect you to the children, and they will show you the books, the school, the backpack, whatever your money went to, you can touch it directly. So that's what we do at World Youth Horizons. We are raising abandoned children in youth homes, orphanages, and sending them to school, paying all the expenses. We buy the books for the schools, the food for the schools. 
but we have helped build schools in places like Ethiopia. In the U.S., we've taken kids to visit college campuses from the hood. They've never been on a college campus, and no one would have ever introduced them to it. We've given them kind of intros to careers that they have. We've taken them on trips to see companies. So everything is about giving children that don't currently have a chance at a better life, and education is where it all starts. So thank you for giving me a chance to talk about the work that means the most to me. Absolutely. And can you share maybe one story of a transformation from one of these children that's meant the most to you? For sure. So I was visiting schools in East Cleveland, Ohio. And when I went there, I had to go through two metal detectors. And I was like, why are there two in a row? And they're like, in case a kid got a weapon through the first one. And I was like, so the assumption is if I'm just a kid going to school and I have to go through two metal detectors and then there's police and armed security standing there, how does that child feel when they start the day? Our assumption is you're probably a criminal, so we're going to check you two or three times before you go to math class. You're already starting them off at a disadvantage because they have to walk through all that just to go to class. And so this school is falling apart. It's crumbling. To be honest, there are some teachers that didn't really seem to care. There were some that absolutely did, but there were some that didn't. The kids can feel all that. And there was a little girl that I met there that was just so beaten up by the world that she just wouldn't even make eye contact. And I was trying to talk to her. So I pulled her aside from the other kids. And I said, look, you don't have to talk in front of everybody else, but can you just tell me what your story is? And she told me a horrifying story. And I'm sorry, this is rough, but it ends good. She told me that her father was, well, her words, she said, my father was murdered trying to murder someone else. So he got what was coming to him. Imagine if your legacy of your father is he was a bad guy who was trying to kill people and they killed him first. And you're happy for that. That's horrible. I said, what about your mother? She said, my mother wakes up every day and tells me she wishes I was never born because I'm a worthless piece of. And this is this girl's life. And no wonder she's depressed and hopeless. There's no way out of this situation. So I'll skip all the way to the end. I mentored that girl for years. But more importantly, the part we could do that she couldn't do was we helped get her into college, right? I wrote the letter and talked to the university. And then we paid for her college. And now you can cut to years later. And she was a junior at this time. She's a 4.0 pre-med student on a path to be a pediatric surgeon because she wants to help children. And she's tutoring other kids in her college for free. And when I went to visit her, all the other kids were like, oh my gosh, everybody loves her. And she was all bubbly and bright. And you're like, this cannot possibly be the same child. Because someone in the world gave her a chance at bettering herself and getting out of her situation and creating her own future. It was literally life-changing. And she's paying it forward by tutoring other kids, and she's soon going to be a surgeon saving children's lives. So that is the whole reason to do what we do. One child like that can affect so many other people. This theme of paying it forward has come up again and again today, and we don't have to be Jeff Hoffman and save everybody, but we've probably received something in our lifetime and we have privileges that other people don't. And so can you talk to the listeners about us paying it forward wherever we are in our life? What can yeah. we do to have an impact and how yeah, that so can give us a sense of purpose? I'm really glad that you said that because a lot of people think that 
if they ever get successful, I guess they have money or something, then they can help. And that is an excuse. Every single person listening can do something right now. Remember, there's three things you can give to the world, time, treasure, talent. So just giving your time, for example, joining Big Brothers Big Sisters and giving your time to a child who has no positive female influence in their life or male influence, that costs you zero dollars. It's your time, and it literally changes the course of a child's life. And that one child might be the one that becomes the life-saving pediatric surgeon, right? I was influenced by a Mother Teresa quote many years ago. Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100 kids, feed one. And that really struck me. It's the starfish on the beach story, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter. And that little girl says, well, it matters to this one, the starfish she's holding at the time. It does matter. One life makes a difference. So if you don't have money, donate time. Money's the treasure part, but there's also talent. Another thing that you could do where you live is there is no community that doesn't have a shelter, a homeless shelter, something like that, or a church where people that are down on their luck go by. If you're a woman in the community, you could be mentoring some single mother whose life looks hopeless right now. She doesn't know what to do. She goes to the church or the food kitchen to pick up food. You could drive over to the food kitchen and say, hey, can I volunteer here for a day so that I can meet some of the moms that come in? And maybe I could mentor one. Does that cost you money? Do you have to be rich to do that? No, that's your talent. You can help explain to her and reason and be there for her. So everybody listening, there's no excuse that you're not helping someone locally where you live. That's the pay it forward part. And you know, what's really beautiful on how we can tie this back into burnout. And in this case, I would say burnout prevention is there's actually research that shows that these acts of altruism, where you selflessly give to others, is connected to positive physical and mental effects. So this is, in a sense, a way to not just create something that brings purpose to your life, but can also help you be happier and healthier. So Complete, pretty cool stuff. Completely agree. And it's that counterbalance to... If you are working really hard and you're feeling unfulfilled and more importantly to today, burned out at work, this is a whole new energy source. When you help that little girl, that single mother, whoever it is, when you're making the difference in someone's life, the energy you get from that is a counterweight to the burnout. You just said it yourself. Suddenly you have purpose again and you feel meaning and you may not necessarily be getting it at work at that moment, but you'll be getting it from your life if you're doing something that brings positivity to somebody else's life. It definitely is a counterbalance to burnout. So we've talked about a number of things already so far. You started us off by talking about this idea of working smarter, not harder. And some of the ways that you talked about doing that is building a team. In other words, you don't have to do everything yourself. And in fact, when you have other people to help you out, you get more done in less time. Yeah. You also talked about mentoring, which I think ties in a little bit to what we're now talking about, which is making a difference. And you do a lot of that through education, but like giving of yourself. And you talked about time, treasure, and talent. As we wrap all of this together, 
what I'm hearing is that we need to figure out how to take care of ourselves so that we don't burn out and then take some of the gifts that we've been given and pass them along so that we can see that ripple effect in our life so that we can have more of a sense of purpose. And in doing so, reap the benefits of this physical, emotional, and mental wellness just from giving back. And so it's been really a wonderful episode for me to hear your story and all the things that you've done in the world and how you're choosing to spend your time, your resources. I think it's a great inspiration for the rest of us. Thank you. And by the way, there's no way I could have tied that all together better than you just did. Thanks for doing <laughs> that. <laughs> I was afraid you're going to ask me to tie it all together. So thank you for brilliantly bringing that to a close. And thanks again for having me today. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned the World Youth Horizons Project. We will leave the link for that for anybody Thank who's you. interested in getting involved in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with today, Jeff? No, I just would like to repeat that last thing I said, that there is someone where you live right now not having a good life. And even if you don't have any money, your time and your talent can change their lives. So to steal Mother Teresa's words, you don't need to save the world. Just go save someone. Love it. So you can change your life and you can change the life of other people. This has been really amazing. And I'm so, so thankful that you've come on the show to share a little bit about the things that you've been doing and uh, be an inspiration to the rest of us. So thank you, Jeff. All right. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Now for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you're a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. And if you're ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to deconeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Bye everybody. Mm -hmm.